Hello, everybody. This is Noah, and welcome to Change Talk, a podcast where I have conversations with people who are thinking about change and are open to talking about it. In this week's episode, I speak with Jamie Chaffetz. Jamie created, wrote, and acted in the pilot episode of Effectively Schizo, a comedic web series which brings forward the annoyances of having mental health issues with everyday comedic silliness. She also hosts an improv show called Thanks for Being My Friend, where she brings on comedians and improvisers for a totally made-up on-the-spot show. Additionally, Jamie was misdiagnosed with schizoaffective disorder and eight years later found out it was actually Lyme disease, which was causing her psychosis, which we'll hear about in this episode. She also enjoys a good backwards hat on a sunny day and getting friendly DMs from fans. Jamie came on to Change Talk to discuss her fear of networking and reaching out to other creators, something she knows she has to do to further her comedic and professional goals. And while we have you here, if you like what you're hearing on this podcast, please take a moment to rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. This can make a huge difference in expanding Change Talk's reach. And if you really like what you're hearing, consider donating to our tip jar, which can be found by following the link at the bottom of our show notes. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. And may Jamie's change talk, in some small way, inspire your own. Please note that this podcast is not therapy. Please seek professional help if needed. Okay, we are live for another episode of Change Talk. I am with Jamie Chaffetz. My Jewish gut instinct would have said to be Chaffetz or something, that's, right? It, that's what it was before. Uh, or or Chaffetz. It was Chaffetz or Chaffetz or, you know, whatever, however you say it. But, right. but my grandpa always told us that we live in America, pronounce it Chaffetz, and that's what we're doing. So I said, okay. <laughs> do, do you have any idea what your last name means? Um, I had a rabbi in uh, Hebrew school told us means like to pursue life, like high is life. And then like fits or something is pursue. I don't know if that's true. Uh, I've also been told it's like a school teacher or something. It's a teach an educator, something like that. So it is, it actually is. Uh, so there's a verse, there's this famous rabbi named the Chafetz Chaim, uh, which is actually a verse from the Psalms that say Chafetz means to desire. So it's exactly mm-hmm. what you said. It, it isn't, it's interesting because it, the high part of that word doesn't actually mean uh, what you just said. Chafetz just is a word that means to desire. And it's, it's been correlated in his psalm with Chafetz Chaim, which is to desire life. And it actually has to do with the, the psalm that it comes from. It says, who desires life? Um, um, who has good days and sees the good? It's people that use their, their tongue, their speech for good. Um, they keep their, their words away from, from bad speech. Um, so there's this cool. connection between living a good life and speaking well. Um, so that's, that's the origin of the, the Chafetz. That's awesome. I, that was, I'm going to have to remember that now for my future when anyone asks me. <laughs> so welcome to the show. Um, thank you, thank you so much me. for coming on. So tell us a little bit about yourself. 
Yeah. Uh, so I, I guess the reason I'm kind of on the show for mental health reasons is that I had a, a mental health, um, you know, condition for the past 12 years, uh, sorry, since 2012. Um, but aside from that, you know, I'm just, uh, you know, I work in social media and marketing and video production. Um, I do improv and comedy on the side and I have a web series all about my mental health. So I guess that's one way to start it off. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about how, your mental health concerns and the, this journey that you've had it relates to comedy because you kind of said, "Hey, I'm I, I identify with this mental health concern, which I would I would like to hear about, but also how it relates to comedy for you." Yeah, I just so many things happen that you're like, "This is just ridiculous." Like either in a way that's like frustrates you, or in a way that is actually funny. Like it, um, in the first scene of my web series, it's like. I'm seeing so my tell us about your web series. What is your web series? Yeah, it's it's called Effectively <laughs> Schizo. It's basically the uh, the journey. Um, you know, the pi- we filmed and shot the pilot episode, and the first episode is like my coming to terms with my diagnosis, and also finding a friend who had a mental health diagnosis, and we kind of go on this silly journey of like, let's find a schizo effective spokesperson, and we have auditions and all these crazy people. Not crazy, but just <laughs> interesting and weird people come on and try to try out, and we get a little gang going. And then we, uh, you know, end up in a pharmacy and we have meet other people. So it's just going through like some of those little things that people with mental health issues go through, but bringing it to light and also trying to also just make regular fun of regular things in life um, for enjoyment. When you're saying bringing it to light, I'm thinking of two things when you say that one is bringing something to light. So I, I, I'd love to know or understand what schizoaffective disorder means. Uh, a lot of people probably don't know what that is. And two, bringing it to light means making it a bit lighter, which I'm guessing is what comedy does. Yeah. Because obviously you did this series, but this series is also related to your own journey. So why don't you, can you tell us a little bit about what it's like to have schizoaffective disorder? Yeah. So schizoaffective disorder is a mix of schizophrenia and bipolar. And I was diagnosed in 2012 and I had some like basically psychotic episodes where I was like, totally in the wrong, not the wrong, but just in a just altered state of mind. I didn't know exactly what was going on. I had these delusions and uh, what it's like to have it. Well, I guess I should say this now. Also, I, I don't know if we discussed this before, but I have been diagnosed with Lyme disease since then, which has been, did I tell you this? No. Okay. So it's been a, a blessing. Oh, it's been the, the best thing in my life. Um, so I, from, from doing the web series, uh, I was contacted by a girl out in California who told me, uh, I love your web series. I actually had a similar thing happen to me. I, I was diagnosed with schizophrenia and turns out I had Lyme disease and I got put on medication for like antibiotics and all these medications for Lyme and my schizophrenia completely cleared. I thought this was a joke. I really thought this was a joke. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I've been relieved of some symptoms in the past year since I found out I had Lyme disease. So, um, but, but with that aside, I don't want to forget the fact that I did I did and still have some symptoms uh, of schizoaffective? Um, what it's like to have it? It's it's crazy. It's uh, very trippy. It's a very uh, you know sometimes you'll hallucinate um, you know images on the wall. It's just very distorted. So it's hard to hard to go through sometimes. And when you are sort of ha- when you're really starting to have hallucinations like that, is there a how do you know? that it's a hallucination, meaning is, are there times where you're not sure or is it always really distorted? It's almost dreamlike and you know, this isn't real. Like this is not real. 
sometimes it's confusing in the first flash of a second. I could be like, wait, is that there? Oh, I wasn't sure if that was there or not, but then it was there. You know, sometimes it's confusing for the first few seconds. Uh, for the most part, I don't see like a ghost in front of me or a person. If that's not, if that's not a hallucination in my, in what I see, I, mine are more, they're called illusions. Um, they're when you see things in something. So like you see the clouds, you see a lot of different characters in the clouds. It's a normal thing for people to see. I'll look at a desk, a design of a desk, and I'll see faces in it or uh, animals or sometimes words. Um, and that's more of a, what it's called an illusion, which is similar to a hallucination, but it can be overwhelming. You see it, from whatever existing materials come out, you see patterns in such a way that that things emerge that other people aren't seeing, even though it's not a completely new entity of some kind. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good way of describing it. And And how do you like handle when that comes up or when that first came up what did you do how did you handle that uh it was very confusing are you talking about after i was diagnosed or before just in general well maybe just like the the first time you remember that happening how you what happened to you um i was actually at my uncle's lake house in massachusetts and when there was a bonfire and i was like seeing faces and words in the bonfire like in the embers and it was like very scary and I didn't think it was scary at the time because I thought it was like very profound <laughs> but um it, I don't kind know of like I a did. trip like you're yeah like, like, like you're like a drug trip of a, a bad car? trip a really bad trip I mean it, it was like um but they, but you believe it that's the thing is that you believe it's whatever is happening is actually telling you some type of sign about the world um so yeah, it was scary. I, I was, I went, I, t I went back home and I was hospitalized soon after that. Cause it was just like, so many things were happening. It was, my parents told me I needed to get help because I didn't, I wasn't aware. I was so like out of it. Like you didn't, you, these things were happening, but you didn't have the reflective awareness to be like, there's a, there's something going on here. Like I'm hallucinating or I'm. Yeah. Or, I guess. I guess cause you I didn't was, think it was that big of a problem or. No, I, I mean, I was, I didn't, I didn't think of it as a problem, but I was so lost in my mind. Like, I think that I was kind of like what started as my symptoms started very gradually. And I, I started becoming more hippie-ish. I would, I would say that's the best way to describe it. Like, I don't, I'm not discouraging any hippies, but, um, the, I was very hippie free spirited. And I think of that can, you can get confused with reality and not reality. And I, I'm, I, I think I'm a spiritual person now. I think I still, I always have been. But I think when it crosses the line into like um, maybe talking to yourself or like seeing things that aren't real, but thinking they're real, that's when it goes into the wrong place. Like so. tr like digging for messages and. Yeah. And then, and, see and then seeing them. Yeah. I think maybe just the way my brain was working, it just was interpreting the world as like a kind of fantasy. Um, right. And I just sucked into it. And you needed, and you needed somebody to to get, to help you get out of there? I needed mostly medication. <laughs> um, <laughs> medication is really what gets you out of it. Um, but also therapy is what stabilizes you after you're out of it. So when you talk about medication, medication, I'm guessing uh, lowers the ability to see the image. Like they, they become mm -hmm. less powerful, less intense, or they go away almost. Yeah. Um, yeah. The medication like antipsychotics can make a lot of it go away, make you able to function as a normal human. They don't get in the way you still, you can have what they call breakthrough symptoms. It's where you're still hallucinating, but you're able to function. You're like, okay, I'm hallucinating. Just need to chill out for an hour, take a nap, yeah. take, maybe take another, um, 
like an Ativan type of like a, a anti-anxiety to calm the brain down and then uh, you're okay. But when you're hallucinating in a, like a paranoid state, that's when you need like more help. Right. And, and just on this, the schizophrenia side of things, what does therapy look like? What are you supposed to do in the therapy? Um, it's mostly, honestly, nowadays it's just talking about like my feelings and my week and my goals. But right. what it initially was, I had a therapist who was a little old school and I think he tried to deny a lot of things that were going, he's like, you're not really feeling that anymore, right? You're good. You're good. <laughs> like, and I was like, yeah, I guess I still, I, I knew I was still having symptoms, but he kind of, he was good in that he brought humor to my life more. So he tried to make me see the light and everything. And that was, that was a good thing, but he would deny a lot of things. Like if I felt weird, he wouldn't want to talk. He would just brush it off. So my therapist now, who's really great, she will, um, if I'm having an issue, she'll like, we'll talk about it. Like, you know, there were times when I had like fears about telling her stuff and I would be like, I feel like I'm gonna, um, like something bad's gonna happen to me if I tell you this, but it's really just an anxiety on my part of like, I didn't want to share that. Yeah. And it was coming through as something else. So other than kind of maybe a reality check of some kind, what did, because I, I can't, is this therapy just kind of training your brain to identify and, and then come back to reality? Like what, what does therapy actually do um, for schizophrenia? I think it doesn't actually do, I don't think the, the talk therapy does anything for the symptoms. I think it does for the managing of the symptoms. So like, it'll be like, I'll be like, you know, I'm having symptoms and we'll talk about when I'm having them. Maybe I'm having a lot. I used to have a lot when I played volleyball for some reason. And I didn't even realize, but I would like hallucinate every time after my volleyball match. So we, I kind of like stopped playing volleyball and then like, I'll, I didn't have it as much because it wasn't, it was just like a trigger. I don't know what it was. So it's like kind of like finding those things that are causing it and then trying to find better solutions to living my life. Right. And that's just for, and I, I do want to ask you about the Lyme's disease because I feel like, I don't know, I feel like I've heard something similar to this in some way. What's that about that <laughs> having Lyme's disease can in some way induce schizophrenic symptoms for people? Yeah. Uh, I didn't know it was a real thing. Um, I actually, well, actually they, when I first got diagnosed, they did a, they did a test on me because they're like, you could have Lyme and this might be causing your psychotic symptoms. It was called the Western blot test, which is what the most doctors will give you. Anyway, um, that test is not fully comprehensive and doesn't show all this, the types of Lyme. So I came back negative. And anyway, so when I did eventually get tested positive from a different site, um, yeah, it's just, I don't understand it. I really don't. I don't understand the science behind it. It's just something that is amazing in my life. So. And I guess what's so amazing about that is that it has attributed it to something different. Like, like maybe I don't want to take away from your, from your diagnosis, but maybe the symptoms of schizophrenia are, are related to that. And therefore, if you can figure out a way to deal with the Lyme disease, you can figure it out. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like it's a big, uh, like not a knock on wood. I know that's not a Jewish yeah. thing, but, <laughs> um, but it's like, I'm hoping like the more I'm getting treated, the more my symptoms of schizophrenia and bipolar have been minimizing. And it gives me like hope. And it makes me like want to talk about things even more. Cause I'm like, I want to share this to people that might not know they have Lyme or something else that's contributing to their mental health factors. Um, yeah. Right. To just do, and that's the, such an important part of screening and assessments. When I interview people for therapy, there's, I just, 
sometimes people want to just go right into it. And I ask all these questions about their life because I think that you need to understand people within many different contexts. And so when you're testing for these things, it's like what you, you could pick up on, on so many different details before you go right to one area that this is the reason for something. Yeah. Yeah. It, there's so many things that can create, I mean, one of my original Lyme doctors, he's like said something about, um, I think it was syphilis back in the day would cause people to go kind of like crazy. And, uh, uh, that there, I'm not saying everyone who has a mental condition could have an underlying physical, but it, it could be more than we know right now. Right. Especially for something like Lyme disease, from what I understand, it's like you get it from a tick from, yeah, from I've ticks. Been, uh, yeah. I've been banned by many ticks in my life. I mean, I mean, I live in New Jersey. There's a lot of woods and we had a backyard growing up where I would play and get ticks in my head and on my arms. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally crazy. It really is. It's scary. It's, it's, it, it's so scary. It's so, it's such a, it's like this little tiny thing. It's minuscule and right. brings such, bring such terror. So, so that's the, the schizophrenia side of things. Now, I'm, maybe this is inappropriate or not or appropriate. I don't know how you find sure things to be I'm funny, sure it's totally fine. <laughs> no, but it's like, why do, why did the mental health community or the DSM community, which is the diagnostic and statistic manual, which diagnose all these mental disorders, we can talk all about what that means and what it doesn't mean and whatever, but why combine, like, is there like a, a joint depression, anxiety disorder? There, <laughs> there isn't, there's not like oh a God, depri so depri de de depri depri <laughs> I don't know What would we call it? There isn't oh my God. why are, are bipolar and schizophrenia getting together to create their own disorder called schizoaffective. Do you have it's any like idea why those come together? I don't know, but maybe it's like some type of superhero thing. Like, I don't know, like why I, I never really considered that. <laughs> no. Like how many joint, you know, how many joint disorders diseases are there? Are there? Yeah. I don't know. So I'm wondering like <laughs> why those two decided to be par partners. Um, and then uh... like that, that doesn't make sense to me. Um, doesn't make sense to me either. <laughs> but, but maybe it does. Maybe they're so common together in some way, shape or form. Maybe for people when they're experiencing mania, their schizophrenia symptoms get increased. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they were finding a lot of people who were schizo, uh, schizophrenic were either going one way or the other. They were getting either like ultimately really depressed about it or kind of manic about it. And maybe right. they were, they were finding this natural blend. I don't know. <laughs> so, so what's the, the, the bipolar part like for you? How do you, how do you experience that? Um, that part, I mean, it's weird. Cause like, mostly it was just like, I, I don't get a lot of bipolar symptoms, but when I was first diagnosed, it was like a lot of like, couldn't sleep, would stay up all night. And like, um, I remember going, uh, I was living at home at the time and I would go down my, to my mom's bedroom and start doing jumping jacks and talking about, um, like religious delusions and uh you know i'm gonna walk to israel from new jersey <laughs> like, <laughs> i appreciate you laughing at that because of the judaism like a, <laughs> like being a uh, aspiring rabbi like a you know, yeah well th well there's something called in in have you ever heard of jerusalem syndrome something when you go to jerusalem and you always want to go back or something no, no well that's something else okay. but but jerusalem no it's this idea that people uh for some reason well i mean it's an intense place with a lot of history, but that people have this messianic complex when they go to Jerusalem, they get this sim syndrome where they, they think they're like the Messiah or something like that. And that it's very, me. very common. 
that's interesting i wonder if that's a is that a is that associated with like a type of uh mental something i don't know the line it's because the line of like of religiosity and you know piety and you know subjectivity and it this whole thing is it's like there's a there's a fine line between like really healthy spirituality in general between like being a healthy person with a you know dose of spirituality and keeping it balanced and but the jerusalem syndrome is people that just get really imbalanced and go there and feel like very very high spiritually and then become kind of grandiose and who they are who they think they are well feelings of grandiosity i think that's always they always use that term for me um because yeah i had a lot of religious delusions and uh i mean i thought that i was uh I want to write a book one day called The Princess of Israel because I thought I was the princess of Israel. Whoa. <laughs> what does that and, mean? Honestly, I have no idea, but um, I would I was like in a, uh, a mental, um, not a hospital. Well, well, I was in the hospital, so I was like in a day center. And I kept thinking that helicopters were coming for me to take me, <laughs> to take me out of the, of the place. And like uh, something to do with Barack Obama and Benjamin Netanyahu. It was a whole crazy thing. <laughs> wow. Uh, definitely had a lot of those, those situations happening. So that was always interesting. So just at the beginning of your symptoms, you had a lot of manic mania, like, and that's why you think you got the diagnosis? Of this, the combined diagnosis? Yeah. Or- um, I think it was, more, it was honestly more religious delusions and uh, paranoia that people were like talking to me through the TV. Um, so it was a lot of that stuff. The, the mania was more just kind of there, but I think the thing that was more pronounced was the schizophrenia symptoms. Right. And, and is, did you also experience and how did that get that impact the symptoms? Any really depressive episodes? No, thankfully I haven't. Um, I, yeah, I haven't, but I actually told my therapist, my psychiatrist, I wanted to be bipolar. I was like, I wish I was just bipolar. He goes, well, if you're depressed, if you get depressed, you can technically be bipolar. So you have that to look forward to. (laughs) Why? Just because it would be like a vacation from like the intensity of your brain and the speed of things. That's interesting. No, but that is an interesting point, but I more so I wanted to tell people that I was bipolar instead of telling them I was schizoaffective. Oh, because it's easier on the stomach or in the mouth to say bipolar than something scary yes. like schizoaffective. It sounds like, well, here's the thing that I want to ask you. Obviously, it's very hard to be having, an, and I know you're laughing about it now, uh, making making it a bit lighter. And, you know, you've gone through that episode or that intensity of, of, your, of your symptoms. But did you learn anything positive about yourself? You are a very creative person. You're doing a lot of comedy and kind of like, like, is there... What do you, if anything, do you appreciate about your symptoms? Is there anything valuable or redeemable? Or is it all just like, this is, this, this is terrible? Uh, mostly terrible. But one time, uh, there's one, one moment I can think of when I had a, a really enjoyable hallucination experience. I was very stressed out and I needed to get out of my mind. Like I needed to just get out of the thinking head. And I just like looked at the ceiling and everything kind of started to move. And I was like, this is very chill. <laughs> like the, this is nice. Like I'm just kind of having this little, like little acid moment. And uh, that's the only time that I enjoyed it. Other, other than that, I would say the best thing about the symptoms is that they go away. That it's they just, are it's to- tormenting. It's not a pleasurable, no, it's not a no. pleasurable experience. It's, it's stressful. It's blah. The reason why I asked just because a lot of people, um, especially with mania symptoms when they like, if not, not in a schizoaffective sense, they are, there's something powerful about that energy. Um, they can't keep it balanced, but people, people actually 
in some, even though they, they would, they don't want this to continue. There's something intense about it that they, maybe they want in lower doses or just less, you know, oh, we I all want, we all want to have like, for my, you know, we all want to have high energy, creative input and thoughts that are like more balanced. Um, I could be yeah. totally off. I don't know. No, I, I know what you're saying. Maybe part, um, sometimes I, do, I have gotten a little manic of like, um, creativity but then it always ends up in a bad place of like just burnout kind of not burnout but just like overthinking or something or just like thinking about the manicness and it becomes like just this weird thing I don't know I would say most of the schizo schizophrenia symptoms there's nothing good about them really and 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 by the way I'm not insinuating that mania is good I think it's terrible um I know what you mean I just think it you know people in general uh aside from the mental health perspective it's just we can get ourselves, let's, I don't know how this will be edited in, but we can get ourselves into creative states without being so off balance. And obviously you're involved in comedy and creativity. So how does that, how has that helped you in your life? And tell us a little bit about how you use improv. Cause I'm super interested in improv. I actually love improvisation. And it's one of my favorite parts of, of my mental health training, which was like doing the acting. Um, That's so, so cool. So what, what do you like about it? I love the feeling when I'm doing it and afterwards of this like creative energy of like this buzz I have and this like excitement. I'm just like, like a kid kind of. Um, yeah, I guess the comedy, I mean, I've always been interested in, uh, interested in, who's interested in comedy? You just kind of gravitate towards it. You just do right. it because you, you find it fun. Yeah. Um, I've always kind of been that way. And um, I guess pr- pursuing it now has just been something that I've been like, I've always wanted to pursue it, kind of like really pursue it, like go to classes and meet people and do that. So I'm like, just why don't I do it? So I guess my, through therapy, it like she was, my therapist is very encouraging and like, just take it, like do it, take a class. So I took a class at the UCB in New York. I would like take the train in. What's to, UCB? Um, Upright Citizens Brigade. It's uh, Amy Poehler's uh, improv school in the city. Um, cool. Yeah, it's so it's such a good, it was such a good experience. Um, I took a sketch class there and we just, I never had, I didn't even know how to write a screenplay. I was just like, we would, we would write sketches like they do in SNL and sit around a table and like go back and forth with these jokes and riff on and then rewrite our sketches until they became better. It was so fun. And then I got into improv after that at the same school. And it was like, it excited me. <laughs> it was like, so it was just so fun. So that kind of is a, yeah, I would. Yeah. <laughs> so, you're, so you're doing it in, you're, you're actually developing these skills formally at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. I took, I've taken two like actual classes and then, um, and I've taken a, a workshop and then, um, I'm taking a, like I'm doing a private training with some of my classmates. So with a, with a, a former teacher at UCB or, or trainer at UCB. And, and how is, so, so obviously tell us, I, I, you mentioned, I think a little bit about this, the effectively schizo series. So you've done one episode are you then sort of trying to integrate some of the training that you've done already now with UCB and see how this can come into effectively schizo? Yes, you're, you got some good questions. I got to give it to you. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, yeah, that's literally exactly what I, I thought of doing from the from the um, from the school. I was like, let me try to combine this all and make it even better. Um, yeah, the the one thing I'm trying to do now is like trying to make uh, how to make scripted tv into more playful you know not just reading the lines but like being the character and being silly within it that's what i 
And I, I asked, um, we talked about this before we recorded, I think, but um, I was talking with Ben Garrett. He, he was the one who did the workshop. For, he was from Reno 911. He's like one of the actors. And he basically, uh, they have, we they do like a 30 minute episode or 20 minute episode. They have a one paragraph for every scene. Usually one scene is like multiple pages. They have one small paragraph. They know how it starts. They know how it ends. The middle is up to the characters and they just play with each other. And there's something they find fun about that. And they, they say that you're kind of missing something when you just do it kind of statically or something, you know? But let's say you're doing a 30 minute uh, scene mm -hmm. and you're improvising like that. You only have the, the outer borders of, of the episode. How long, like how much content, how long does it take to get 30 minutes of content? Do you go way over half an hour and then you reduce it down based on where you get to? He actually, it's funny because he told us about 10 minutes of shooting is two minutes of, of airtime um, after it's edited. So okay. I guess if you were doing about a 30 minutes, so you do two, four, six, you know, six minutes uh, for, or no, no, I'm thinking of, I can't do math, but whatever that equals. <laughs> uh, yeah, It's a so long that, time. Yeah, I guess you would be going it's for a, a while. Like yeah. a deep dive and then you just find whatever you find. Yeah. I don't see that. That to me is... Like, are there any shows that actually do that? I think The Office did that, didn't they? The Office did a lot of improv. Steve Carell was definitely, he was an improviser. Uh, a lot of those guys in, um, I know that uh, Angela Kinsey, who played Angela um, on The Office, she did improv, I follow her. Um, but yeah, so other shows that do improv, let me see, like uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. They kind of riff with each other. Um, thinking what else? Um, I, don't, I think Broad City might do a little bit of that. Um, trying to think of other shows but yeah the office is one big one so so for me what what i love about improvisation is just that i can really it's so we all want to get out of our heads a little bit and i actually just go into another human being i don't I, like you just take an exit right from your own self right you just you yeah. just start messing around yeah definitely. um and then you get in so is that how do you benefit from from improvisation um I think when I was taking a class uh, last year, right before the pandemic started, um, I really, I really enjoy being pushed by my teacher to like, go, go more into it and like get crazy and do something, make a big choice and don't be afraid to, to talk because he always, he, like, he was just saying, like, just say what you're thinking, like do like, you know, like we are always like kind of held back in normal life. Mm. You have to play by the rules. And like, I really love that it encourages you, even if you mess up and no one laughs, who cares? You're, you're doing improv. No, chances are no one's going to laugh a lot of times and you, it doesn't make a difference. Right. It's a weird thing. I think people are very self, you know, reserved and obviously for a good reason, we don't want to just be completely um, impulsive in how we communicate. And we want to be, as we go back to the beginning, when we said to Haifetz and Hafez, we want to be careful with someone with their words, but there's also this benefit of being completely free flowing and just out of your head, breaking all the rules of what you should say and what you shouldn't say. Um, and you confront like, it's, it's almost like dancing. It's like people get very self-conscious, right? Mm -hmm. And then you could just like kind of break out of it a little bit. That's a, that's a perfect analogy. That's the goal. So yeah. thank you so much for sharing all of that. Thank you for um, asking such great questions and uh, for having you're me. You're welcome. And continued. Well, we're not done. Oh, okay. Yes. Right, right, right. <laughs> the change talk part. Sorry, sorry, sorry.
that's you're you're forgiven so talk to me now about something that you do want to change in your life yeah so i mean we've talked about comedy improv but i am just for the past couple of years have been breaking into the world of it it's a whole beautiful world um but i'd really like to connect more with comedians and people who are doing these fun things and fun projects and i'd like to be for them to come onto the web series and for me to come onto their things and to do more of that. So that's what I've been trying to do lately. And uh, like you said, like in a more consistent way. Right. So because you have a day job and you do that and now you're building your brand effectively schizo and all of the different components. And so you're trying to take on more, you're trying to do the work that you're like excited about actually doing it. So what, what has it been like for you now so far? May, may, like in terms of, you know, on an average day, you're thinking about doing more or you're not doing enough. What is that looking like for you? Yeah, I try to, uh, I try to reach out. Um, I mean, it's how like we connected, you know, on Instagram. Instagram has been like the, the, the connector of uh, the, the pandemic. But um, I try to reach out to people on Instagram or, um, you know, talk to people that are doing comedy or try to like, uh, I went to an improv jam the other night and I met, uh, I met someone there. We connected on Facebook. So like just trying to talk to people and um, getting involved in and see if they want to get involved in the project and uh, doing more improv shows. Yeah. So what comes up when you've been sort of hesitant to do so when you, there's people you want to reach out to, or you're not doing enough of that. Like what, what sort of comes up for you when when you're thinking about doing that and you don't do it um what comes up um maybe it's like I just don't like I don't know exactly the best way to organize my thoughts all the time so but it like it it benefits me like going to therapy because my therapist is very like funnels my thoughts into like something that I can do that's been helpful like my girlfriend we talk about things she was the one who initially was like why don't you do an improv show? Like we talked about it and it was like, we kind of like came up with the idea together. And then I was like, yeah, this is, and then we and I did it a couple of weeks ago with my first guest and it was like really fun. And I was like, why don't I do this more often? Like <laughs> I'm always thinking about doing something. It's like, just do, just do something, you know, even if it's small. Right. So it's, it's almost be, maybe because it's such a big, like there's so much possibility that sometimes you just get stuck in like, what's the next step. All right. I have exactly. so many thoughts about it. Where do I go from here? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what's the cut? What's the benefit in of sort of hiding in the shell, not reaching out, not connecting with other uh, influencers or comedians? How does it sort of make you feel safe or, or how does it benefit you? I don't think it does benefit me. <laughs> I think the only thing is that it makes it's an illusion that makes you think that you're safe. But it's like most of the people I've reached out to have been like, this sounds awesome. Like, let's do this. <laughs> and then it's like, why didn't I, sometimes I get fearful. It's like, oh, what if they don't, you know, what if they don't want to do it? Or what if it's like too much for them or whatever? And it's like, if they don't want to do it, they'll just say that. Like, you know, it's not, there's no, there's no, there shouldn't be a fear. So, so it, when it does come up, it's maybe a, like, there's a, obviously a fear of rejection. Yeah. Like they're like, oh, I don't know if I really like, or, or they'll, they might not be comfortable doing it, you know? And not on their terms. So, right. So it's like you don't want to make other people feel uncomfortable and you might get rejected, which is kind of embarrassing in some, in some way. Yeah. It's like, oh, I, yeah, that's, that is, that's true. Yeah. It's like, oh, I don't want to put myself in the situation where I might get rejected. 
Yeah. I mean, that's what it, like, you know, it's, it, it can be, yeah, it's again, it's, but it's almost like you have that sense of rejected by the kind of work that you're doing. Cause comedy is like very much about the audience um, and how people receive it. Obviously it's about your inner self too, but there's, there's a lot of scrutiny. And, but so even getting to the point where you reach out to people, you have to face that fear of rejection. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. <laughs> Just gotta do it, I guess. I don't know. Have you have you had like a crazy rejection that was like really embarrassing for you ever? Um, no, I mean I had one friend who didn't I had one friend who wasn't like hundred percent she didn't know how to do improv and I was like, Oh, that that's true. Like we don't she she's like super funny, but she does more like not scripted, but like talk about it beforehand. Um, so I was like, well, uh, one option, it was like, well, why don't we record it? And then we can edit it out because at least that they'll make her feel more comfortable. And she was like, yeah, let's do that. So that was probably, um, that, and maybe someone else was like, I have never done improv. And I was like, but she's like, I always wanted to, I want to try it. I'm scared. <laughs> so that's pretty much, yeah, I really haven't had rejection actually, <laughs> which is. So that's, uh, yeah. it's just funny because you're probably part of people's fears. They're going to get rejected. And it's like, Either you got a lot of positive feedback. Yeah, I don't know why. I'm, what am I scared of? This is crazy. <laughs> I don't know. And so it sounds like the only thing that you're really, in terms of that holds you back is just some kind of fear of rejection, some not wanting to put it on other people. Is there even anything else that makes you want to stay in your shell at all? Um, I mean, the only other thing I could think of is like really, it's not really small, but it's just like, um, thinking I'm not good enough or thinking, but like that, that only happens when I have an experience that validates that. <laughs> so, and that usually doesn't happen because I'm usually around really supportive people. Um, right. that only happened to me once recently in that, in that improv jam I was talking about everyone else. I didn't know everyone else was already friends and they knew each other and they mm. came into this jam and it was literally no intro. It was like, you're on the show and it's live in front of people. And I was like, okay, I, I thought I was going to do it. And I thought it was going to be with strangers. And they all knew each other. I didn't know that till afterwards. And they were jiving with each other. And I felt so weird. And I was like, ooh. But then I found out after that they were all taking classes together in the same groups. And I'm, that's why. And I was like, oh, okay. So wow. that's connected the dots. So, so in that kind of situation, that little bit of sort of like, I'm out of my league here. I'm not, I'm not good enough. Yeah, because they were like really good. And they were just like, they were so funny and like, just so I was like how did they do that like they just didn't even know each other but but I they knew they, each other yeah they knew that, each other that was so, the secret. yeah I found that out later so right but just not going out there and see again if you just refrain from reaching out to people like this then you won't have that possibility of failure it just it won't happen right that's true that's true like if I don't ever it's like if you if I just stay in my comfort not a if I stay in like complacency then oh well, i can't get hurt that way so yeah you you won't run into a bunch of people that are like superstars true yeah but they, but, they let you in that's kind of cool yeah it was it was open to anyone it was like a diverse like for disability uh right. um, poc and uh lgbtq people so it was like everyone was really supportive and they were nice and i actually met someone who was really nice after that so um so more connections have have come out of it yeah. Yeah. She like, she reached out on Facebook and was like, Hey, it was fun jamming, even though I didn't think I was any good, <laughs> but wow, I guess she wanted to reach out. So. Um, aside from the fact that I'm, I want to think about 
pursuing this for myself a little bit for fun. I've, I take on too many things, so I probably won't, but I'd love to get involved in some way with, yeah, with improvisation. I- Yes. I, I mean, if you, there's two things I'm thinking. The first thing is there's a lot of online classes and I can give you resources. Not now. Like that's yeah, I'm, yeah, thinking, yeah. I'm thinking you're thinking like down the road. Um, but then also there's like things you can do with people and you can like, like my, like my idea, you can come onto my show if you want to, if you're interested. And it's really not about being perfect. It's just about having fun. Um, yeah. hundred so, yeah. percent. Although pe- other people are watching it too. Other people are watching it. Yeah. I mean, we, yeah, like I, like with my friend, we could do a recorded one. Um, That's true. But I think there could be a lot of fun improv with mental health. So I want to think about That's, that. That's actually interesting. I never like, thought like, like, like that. improvisational therapy. We're going to brainstorm that at some That's, point. It's a good, it's a good thought. I like it. We should definitely so, brainstorm that. W- yeah, we will hopefully. So the only thing, so basically you have some reasons why you're maybe hesitant or have been a bit hesitant to reach out to people. What are some of the most immediate benefits that you'd have if you just started kind of fearlessly going for it, like reaching out to multiple people per week, really, you know, pushing yourself to get, get involved more. Uh, what would be the benefits? I think the benefits will be like instantaneous. You'd get that immediate, like, but just from researching people and like finding these people that I think are cool is always fun. Cause you're learning about new different people and different, like anything. Um, I think also the, I mean, the kind of like, not selfish, but the other benefit would obviously be when they respond and just having a conversation. Um, I, yeah, I did. I actually reached out to someone. He, I guess, oh, I guess he did kind of turn me down actually. I forgot about that, but in such a nice way that I didn't even realize I was being turned down. Like he was like, oh, this sounds awesome. And like, then we just started talking about everything else. And I was like, I guess he doesn't want to do it. He's like, I don't really do improv anymore. So that's, I guess that's why it wasn't really a turn down. Um, but you get but, to meet new people like exactly part of the benefit is that you get to meet a lot of new people exactly which brings new opportunities yeah. what else would be immediately beneficial um i think the shows would be fun and i think it could like i think each person you meet you don't even know who's watching from their their community so like someone who's this person who knows this person and then they can work you up to like it's not even upwards it's more outwards it's like right more a uh, more of a reach to to uh new exp- i guess it's kind of the same thing it's new people but it's just kind of connecting you to people that you would not normally be ever know well it's the people that you're immediately working with and then it's the sort of spontaneity of of the network that random people that are watching that reach out to you and say they know that they know that person and i think that the pandemic people are less there's less of that spontaneity um so maybe that's why an Instagram live is kind of exciting because it's it's sort of that energy of, of serendipity. Like there's a lot of people could be watching and then that one person could be excited to meet you and then they could say, I, I work with this person and they would just be incredible synergy with you. And then yeah, one yeah, person like the possibilities. can the next person kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, someone could be listening to the future this episode. Sure. It was like, who knows? There's, there's limitless possibilities. So. so that's exciting. Yeah, that, I mean, that's really, that's, yeah. So I, it's I, people, it's new, exciting people. It's also those new network kind of opportunities. Anything else that would be awesome for you? I'm thinking just like disproving all the fears if there are any that come up. It's just like, Oh yeah. Even when I get rejected, you said it yourself. Even when I get rejected, like people are generally pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, yeah, I'm just, I think the whole experience for the most part has been really positive. Even 
even if I say something in the class, it's something different, but like, even if I say something that's not that funny and then it doesn't go over well, it's like, no, nah. it was kind of funny to me. So it's okay. <laughs> right. So it's just this, you know, learning that the stories we have in our head about what other people maybe are thinking that prevent us from reaching out or putting ourselves out there. And the, in fact, is not necessarily what other people are thinking at all. Yeah. And they, and they could appreciate it. They probably don't. And also people don't care as much. We're way more self-conscious about ourselves than other people are about Definitely. us. Definitely. So last, any possible other things that would be beneficial for you to be really out there? Um, I think it brings me like, I don't know. It brings me like happiness when, for like on the one live that we've done, when people are like commenting in and typing comments and like, that interaction that you have. I mean, I, I miss that so much from real life um, since the pandemic, but like just the, um, what is it? Like a communal type of activity where people are engaged together. I really like that. And I really enjoy like a good laugh and everyone's like on the same page and every, like in my class, we have like, you know, the six of us in a zoom room and we're all laughing at the same stupid thing. That's uh Right. So there's a lot of validation that could come, which is so helpful to be appreciated for your works, for the things that you're doing. And then, like you just said, it's fun. Like, why not do these things? They're very fun. You know, you're yeah. doing high energy comedic stuff, which sounds really fun. So you're, you're just it'll just increase quality of life. Yeah. And all those serotonin things that we need. So, <laughs> so it sounds like it's a really, you know, there's obviously some lower grade fear type stuff but for the most part it would be really beneficial is there anything kind of right now um let's say you're moving in that direction and you're at like a three or a four or five is there anything that you want to do today that would make it a tiny tiny bit better for you like the next stage or step or the next micro step or micro 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 step um let's see that's a great question maybe I guess a micro step would be having, I don't know if this is, I mean, it's pretty good, but like just reaching out to one person a week, even just one person a week that I admire, but like kind of in that, like a step above me, a couple steps above me in the improv comedian world, but just reaching out and be like, Hey, there's actually this podcast that I love, um, uh, loud about nothing. This guy, uh, Sebastian Canelli. He's so funny and I we've DM'd a couple of times because I just think he's hilarious. But maybe just like being like just telling him about what I'm doing and be like, do you have any people or advice or anything? Like that might be a good step, actually. Okay. So this is a very tangible one that we could actually fact check follow up with. We could. Is, <laughs> so you maybe you said like once a week you want to have like maybe you like the person of the week. Maybe you reach out more, maybe you reach out less like, but there's one person a week that you really want to reach out to that is a bit higher, just above your level, whatever that means. And then this one particular person, Sebastian, um, that you've had some DMs with, where again, you're <laughs> kind of opening the door and then crawling back in. So maybe you right. wanna say something a bit more substantial to this person. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I think, uh, I think I'm gonna have to do that now. <laughs> I hope that I can, I hope that I do it. I really, uh, I think that's a good next step. So we're gonna follow up about that, but basically, you're involved in a lot of comedy and a lot of positive energy in that sense. I, I think it's, I think that there's, that is probably, um, you know, I, I have a difficult time with the socialization on, on zoom slash, like, obviously I do all my work there and I have some meetings that are somewhat like they could be good, but 
I feel like you could get somewhere with comedy on this on this thing. Like there's a there's a like you there's could do path. it. Yeah, there's a I, there's a path for it. I I agree. I I, I do agree, and I uh, I appreciate you saying that. Obviously, <laughs> you want to get back to like the the places in the in the in person, but maybe there's a there's a place for this, um, yeah, in improv especially. Yeah, I I do think so. I I wouldn't have thought that a Zoom improv. Who would have thought? <laughs> but you've been doing it. So you, so yeah. you have that experience. So thank you so much for sharing this. I actually really hope that, um, that this change talk for people is just in today's day and age, we can reach out to people from all over the world and we're less bound by geography. It's more socially appropriate. And the facts of the matter are, is we may get rejected a lot. Um, even though you've had very positive experiences, Jamie, you know, um, depends how big of the fish you're frying, frying for, um, uh, yeah, aiming at, <laughs> aiming at, but, yeah. but, but really you can reach out to anybody. So I hope that, uh, you get in touch with amazing people and I hope to do some stuff. I hope to, I hope my change talk within this change talk episode is to talk about is to maybe get on an improv, um, with little to no experience ever doing improv and see where it goes. I think that sounds great. I love that. Amazing. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. This was a, a delight. It was very fun. <laughs> Don't forget to follow us on social media to keep updated on all our content. We are at Change Talk Podcast on Instagram and Facebook and at Change Talk Pod on Twitter. Editing for this podcast is done by the lovely Atara Shields Tile. Music and theme song by Hope and Social in their album Yorkshire Electric EP with the song People Change. <laughs>